I see you haven't had your morning hug yet. I see that. You did already? Oh, you, it wasn't good enough. Okay. Find somebody. We're in 2019 together. It's going to be so great. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What a year we've had. Amen. What a year. It's been so amazing. And here we are in 2019. And everything, everything is changing. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I, I, had, a, I had this thought in my mind that um, if you had to find, locate that one thing that, oh, God, I want you to, this is what I want to experience. This is what I want you to do in 2019. Could you locate that thing? If someone asks you, what, what's the one thing that you want God to manifest in 2019? Could you identify, could you describe it? What if I told you that you could only have it if you could clearly describe it? If you could accurately name it, what would that be? If you had to choose, if you had to choose, one thing you wanted God to do, and it's in your heart, and it hasn't happened, hasn't manifested yet. But if you had an assurance that it would manifest this year, what would that be? Can you get a hold of it? Out of a sign, lift your hand if you have no problem describing what that is. I saw a few hands jump up, I saw a few hands ease up, and I saw a smaller number creep up. I wonder what that would look like if you could say, Lord, if you would manifest this, oh God, it would change everything. If the one thing that when God does it, your love for him would even be greater, you would you would be so, everybody would know that God did it, that God did it because of the expression on your face and the, and the gant in your step and, the, and the, the, the pep in your step and the look in your eye, smile on your, what, what would that be? Again, if you can describe it, raise your hand right there where you sit. If you can describe, Lord, I want you to, this is what I want you to do, Lord. I got about a third, actually, not quite a half of you. The other half of you, I want you to think about that question and be able to answer it. Amen. Now, those of you that had your hand up, I'd like you to do something this morning. I, I, it won't take but 30 seconds. But find somebody and tell them what that is. Can you do that? 
What is that thing you want the Lord to do that would so change your life? What does it look like? Have you discovered it yet? You said you did. You want to tell everybody publicly? Is it that kind of bold thing you want to proclaim before everybody else so everybody knows what it is? Is that, were you trying to tell everybody what it was? No? Is there anybody that's bold enough to stand up and say, Lord, I, this is exactly what I want. Anybody here today? I'm just, yes. I, well, really? Yes, yes. Did you say conception? Yes. Come on, everybody clap your hands. Conception! Oh, Lord. We got it. We, we, we got it. <laughs> Anybody else bold enough to say, Lord, this is what I want. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> My God. I thought I had somebody stand. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Okay, all right. You may, have to def you, may have to, you may have to define that down real clear to what that looks like, okay? Because it could be like, you know, having a baby, that's prosperity. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, no. Okay, so you want to, you know, you want to be real clear about what that is. Yes, Amen. I want my son's relationship completely restored to God. How many of y'all can clap with that and just say, "Oh Lord, let it be." A trendsetter. Okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah, well. Oh, now we get a little more. You're you narrowing it down. What does that look like? Does that look like a string of people following you through the door? That's what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody give God praise. <laughs> running, okay, running. I love it. Amen. Do, do, you know that, do, you, do you know how much it pleases Maybe you don't. Maybe that's why sometimes you sit or stand or even clap with, with, with being reticent about it. Because maybe you just don't know how much it pleases God the Father to give you the desire of your heart when that desire lines up with his desire. I wonder what that is in your life. 
Because as we march together for the next 21 days, I believe God will begin to answer many of the things you're proclaiming today. Is there anybody else who says, this is what I'm desiring from God? You know, it does take courage to say out loud, clearly, precisely, accurately, what it is you want God to do, particularly when it's outside yourself and bigger than you are. Something you need to happen, make happen, that you can't make happen. Something you need to come about, that you just can't, on your own, by yourself, make it come about. But you know it's possible. I want God to completely heal. Stand up one more time and do, do, do what? Say it a little louder. I want God to completely heal. Amen. Praise God. I was thinking he might do it just then when you stood up. Amen. Somebody, somebody back here. Did you not say quarterly? That's every three months, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes, ma'am. You want God to bless? Okay, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to you that if you want to see any of that happen, you're going to have to narrow that down to a group of people. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Because you can measure that. Somebody said amen to that. Come on, clap your hands a little louder, amen. And, and, and what even gets more powerful is when you know what that blessing looks like. Yes, somebody else. I want three books that you got on the table publicized. Amen? By the way, my wife is, will be publishing her first book in the first quarter of this year. Amen? You know, it's a horrible thing for you to live your life and you don't know what you want God to do. Or you might have some things in your heart, but you don't talk about them because you're afraid he might not answer. With the message this morning, in a few moments, I'm trusting God that you will have a mechanism, have a means to change that attitude. So there's some more standing. Open your eyes, Flynn. Who, who was standing that I missed? Yes. Uh, uh, was, it, was it Alonzo? Uh, was, I, I'm sorry, sir, I just didn't see you. By the grace of God, in the next few weeks, because we're going to give, we're going to have lights in this house. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands a little louder. Amen. All over the stage. Amen. What, did you, what were you going to say, sir? Woo, wait, 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 wait. I want you to say that in the air like when you say it, the demons start running. Amen. My marriage is fixed. reason why I'm praising him because he's not said that before, but now that it's come out of his mouth and the father hears exactly and knows that he means what he's saying, we can believe God's going to. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, sir. 
I want a team of 12 faithful businessmen. Wow. Do you not know that God's already got them lined up? You just got to be able to receive them. Amen. Yes. So you're talking about your own house, not a house you're living in, but uh, your own. Your, how many of you believe God can boop, drop that off? Nothing, look at your neighbor, say nothing is too hard for God. Yes. I want a, the kind of retirement that I have no financial worries for the next 10 years. That's, that's, do you know how easy it is for God to do that? Look at your neighbor and say, oh, it's, it's, a, it's easy for God to do that. One contact. One direction of counsel. Boop. Are you there, saints? Did I miss anybody? Nicole, where are you? There you are, right there. With my, my. I want God to save my oldest son from alcoholism. Somebody say amen to that. In fact, just clap your hands like, Father, we just thank you that you know how to do that. You know how to bring that, you know how to break every kind of addiction in the name of Jesus. Somebody was here. I, I, I know I missed somebody here. Fury, that, thank you, Fury. How are you? You know, you, you're not, you're like, a, you know, like, yeah. I want my finances such when she calls for a special offering, I can participate. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. I, I find somebody else right quick, please. There he is right there. Councilman, what, 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 I'm sorry, just prophesying. Yeah. To run for the, oh Lord, I didn't I, I hear nobody say, hey, Lord Jesus, we have another over here, she's standing. You want to honor Metro City Church this year. Well, may God use you as an advertisement to do so. Wow. What is amazing to me is how God, what it takes for God to get our attention to understand that he desires to give us the desires of our heart. Would you give that message to the person sitting on the left and the right? Just look at me now. I say, God desires to give you the desires of your heart. And that takes me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is one of the most amazing stories and description of God's heart and the provision he has made possible, made available for you and for me. I, 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 wanna, I want to, um, I don't know if you know the story, you may not have, have, have read it before, but 
But before Abraham's story, before his story, is the story of Noah, who was the remnant of all of the creation of men. He was the last family because the first, the first group of men and women became so corrupt till God didn't have any other choice if he was going to continue. His, his only choice left was to destroy them. I do want you to, 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 to keep it in the back of your mind that when, you, when sin is unchecked and not redeemed, it has the power to obliterate you. But God in his mercy spared Noah and his sons. And when the, the ark, some of you know this account, when the waters resided and the ark finally rested on dry ground and they sent out the spies and they saw that it was all, the, the land was dry. And for all those many days, they were locked up in that ark with all those animals and all of the aroma of those animals. When they were in that, finally it was time for them to come out of it. He swung open the door, which was like a latch. He swung it open and they came out of the ark, he and all of his family. And I don't know how many of you know the first thing they did when they came off that ark. I wonder, does anybody know the first thing they did when they finally rested on dry ground? When they came out, out of that ark, they took some of the wood of that ark and they made an altar unto God. It's sort of interesting because when the Lord began to speak to me, even this past two weeks, I, he said something to me that I understood it fully. And that is to rebuild the altar at Metro. I understood clearly what he meant. And I want to just take a few moments this morning and help you with that. The first act after God brought him to safety was not feeding them giving them a house or showing them where they could stay or even revealing all that was left untouched, the first thing they did was they built an altar to God. It's interesting that when Abraham, when he leaves, obeys God, when he obeys God and he leaves his so familiar surroundings and he decides I'm going to leave my people I'm going to leave my country I'm going to there will be a, a mighty change in my life and I will follow God when this happens I want you to note what altars how altars play a powerful part in his life and I want to say to you my, my brother my sister how 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 absolutely necessary they are to your life and to my life. When God wanted to, to bring Abraham into the promise that he promised him, 
then watch what the Lord does. It is amazing in Genesis chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. He took his wife Sarah, Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Cana. And they arrived there. Verse 6, Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Mamre at Shechem. Say Shechem. It's almost like shucks, you know. At, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord, the Lord, to Abraham, he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So here it is. He follows God. He doesn't know exactly where, but he, he says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you lead me. And God leads him. And when he finally gets to the place in the land of the Canaanites, who basically were tradesmen and entrepreneurs, business people, they were also, if you track their history, extremely perverted in their, in their actions, in their personal life, and in their worship. They are not that friendly of a people. But Abraham is in their land at God's direction. I think one of the reasons why Abram decided to build an altar because he realized he was in the midst of hostility. And Abraham did understand one thing in his upbringing with God, that if I want to touch God, if I want security, if I want to be secure in, in my life, and if I want protection for all that is mine, he understood that an altar was absolutely necessary. And there at Shechem, the Bible says, he built that altar. And God spoke to him there. Now, he had spoken to him to go, but it's one thing when you start following God, you need to know that you're in the right direction. By the way, when God starts leading you out of the familiar and God starts taking you where you've never been, and by the way, give this message to everybody sitting next to you. In 2019, you got to go where you've never gone before. Tell your neighbor, you got to go. You've got to do what you've never done before. What God wants to do with you is not like 18. Where he wants you to venture out is not the security of the familiar of what you went through in, in 2008. 2019 will require a different journey for you. Look at your neighbor. Tell him God's going to take you to a place where you've never been in your life. And I'm not just talking about physically, although some of you are going to, you're going to be on lands that you've never been before. Because some of you are going with me to Africa, so you're going to be where you've never been. Amen. Some of you will see lands you've never seen before, but that's not what I'm talking about per se. I mean, you're going to, you are going to experience things in God you had never experienced before. If you hear him, if you follow him. And one thing you're going to need, you're going to need an altar. Now, Abraham had his nephew with him, Lot. And Lot was interested in pitching tents, but Abraham was interested in building altars. If you have an altar and you don't have a tent, 
God will provide you a tent. But if you have a tent and you don't have an altar, you got to spend all your time trying to take care and keep that tent. For a lot of people in the body of Christ, they don't mind going with God as long as they have to keep everything familiar. And so they keep their eye on what they've got, the stuff they've got, and, and their accumulation, and their comfort, and their ease. But in 19, in 2019, I'd like to suggest to you that you learn how to build an altar because the altar will sustain your house, but your house won't sustain your altar. Your house, your tent, the things that you are used to, the things that make you comfortable, the things that give you, put you at ease, the things that cause your life to be at peace, the physical things that you've accumulated, your tent cannot compare to an altar. Because an altar is a place where you meet God and where God meets you. An altar represents my time with him, my relationship with him. An altar is a place where God is able to speak to you. An, an altar is what she sang today. It's where heaven starts touching earth. An altar is that place like the rock underneath his head when he goes to sleep running from the death by his brother and he's going to meet with his uncle and he's, he's out there in the wilderness. He lays his head on a rock. It becomes his altar because he sees the angels ascending and descending. It's a place where God said, I'm going to keep you. Just follow me. I'll keep you and I'll bring you back. An altar is a place where you get direction. An altar is a place of security. An altar is a bloody place of sacrifice. First thing Abraham does when he, he gets into this land where he's unfamiliar, never been there before, amongst the hostile people, first thing he does, he does not set up garrison. He does not set up lookouts. He does not set up his, his, his weapons of the, the, the best fighting folks of his, of his family. None of that. First thing he does, he starts constructing an altar. Usually the way they did that is they would stack stone upon stone. They'd stack it up high enough that it was noticeable. It was noticeable. You would you look, you, you could see it, that everything else was different around it. It was not like everything else around it. If you ever ran upon an altar in, in the wilderness, you know somebody been there because nature doesn't do that by itself. He gets to Shechem and he begins to build this altar to God. Unfortunately, the body of Christ has been more interested in getting the stuff than building the altar. I'm not going to make a declaration to you today. If you will build the altar, what's in your heart, God will take care of that. And he built this altar, and the, the place is significant because the name of that place is Shechem. Say Shechem. Shechem means, translates, shoulder. The shoulders are for bearing burdens. I want to know, do you have any place where you can take your burdens to the Lord? Do you remember the first time God spoke to you and you know it was God? Have you remembered the place, the time, the situation when the Lord first laid his hand on your life? When you heard his voice? You could consider that an altar.
Do you remember when you unloaded your burden? That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden or burdened. Altars for taking your burdens to the Lord. Things that are weighting you down that you are not able to bear yourself. Many of you have decided that you don't need God from time to time. I can handle this one, and it's, it's got your face toe up. Many of you have not realized that your countenance is reflecting the burden of your life. You've not understood that that are some things that you're not even intended to bear yourself. You try to bear the personal burden of sin. It will destroy you. There's a place where you can take that burden. Those of you who bear the burden of disappointment and failure, there is a place to take that burden. It is amazing how many of us do not take advantage of the place God supplies and, and ask you to acknowledge and supply that altar where you come and bear and lay down your burdens. Your forefathers sang about it. Your great-great-grandmothers rejoiced over it. Have you forgotten your history? Or do you not know that those who came before you all had the same similar kinds of life burdens that you have? And they would take those burdens to the Lord. They wrote songs about it. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And they kept saying, leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens and leave them there. God wants you to understand what your Shechem is. Your place where you take the things that are heavier than you can carry by yourself. To the Lord. That's what Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who are weary. You know, when a person is weary, it's not like you're a fun person to be around. You know, when you you realize sometimes you don't know what it is to be, what's it like to be? There's a message I heard just recently. What is it like to be on the other side of me? Ask your neighbor sitting next to you, what's it like to be on the other side of me? If you had the courage to hear what that was really like, it might change your life. What's it like to hang out with you? Do you walk away more burdened? Or do you walk away lighter? Where do you take what you're carrying? And everybody carries something. Abraham realized, I'm not where totally where God, I'm where he wants me to be in terms of direction and location. But here there are adversaries. The first thing I'm going to do is acknowledge God. What do you do when you are burdened? And if you are trying to find a life without burdens, you will not find it in this life. If you're trying to find a life where you never get weary, it's not this life. But for every bit of weariness and for every burden you bear, God has a place for you to take it. Jesus said, come unto me, come unto me. All of you who are weary. Is it sickness 
health? What is it that you're carrying that keeps you from being the person that everybody wants to be around? Is it a burden of the past? Is it something hidden that you, that you don't want revealed because of embarrassment? There is an altar where you can bring that and place it, where you can unload, where you can become light again, where you be can become free to be who God created you to be. First thing Abram did, Shechem, I need a shoulder to lean on. I'm out here, I'm following him, but oof, I need to lay this burden down. Anybody think of a song that you were taught in your youth? You might have to be old enough. You're taught in your youth about burdens. What, what's the song, baby? I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. I cannot bear these burdens alone. What's the other part? In my distress. He kindly will help me. Jesus will help me. Jesus alone. I'm sorry, it's not a, it's not a, it don't have a rap beat, but man, this show was effective. Is there another song about burdens? I'm sorry? I'm going to lay down my burdens. Uh, down by, oh, down by. I'm gonna lay down my, down by. Uh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You gonna keep walking in 2019, carrying that same old hump on your back? Carrying that same weight in your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a Shechem. Anybody else think of any other song? That, 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 that. Cast your burdens. He cares for you. Cast your burdens. Remember, Lionel. Unto Jesus. He cares. And that is something like a higher. Remember that? Lift Jesus high. That was like 1982. <laughs> Some of y'all been around. Lower, lower. Remember that? Lower, 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 lower. Lower, lower. What's this? Stop Satan, low up. Remember that, bro? Remember that? <laughs> super, super. Super, 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 super. Super, super. A supernatural power. Remember that? Remember that? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you to ask him? What are you doing with your burdens? Where God speaks to you is the place where you can go 
Where God speaks to you is the place where you can go, you and he alone. And you can unload. It becomes that personal, private, intimate place where, where heaven wants to transact matters on earth concerning your life. There it transpires. And so the first place, first altar that you need to acknowledge, each of us need to rebuild is a place of burdens. And you know what's amazing about that? When God hears you, something amazing about being able to confess my sins. If you confess my sins, God, come on, is faithful to do what? To do what? And to what? Cleanse. I want to tell you that the church needs this across America, across the South, all through Georgia, all through the city of Atlanta. There is a great need to rebuild this first altar. It's the place of repentance. It's a place where you say, Lord, Lord, you're right. I'm the one that's wrong. It's a place of humility where you admit, I didn't do that right. Lord, I didn't get that right. It's a place of transparency where you're not trying to hide anything from God. Tell your neighbor, say, he sees you anyway. <laughs> Just because you're not saying it don't mean he don't see it. So why do I have to say it? He wants you to say it so you can see it. Because until you say it, you can't see it. And when you can't see it, then, that, then you, you, you act foolish, like you don't have no problems, like you don't need God. Tap your neighbor and say, well, you out of your mind, like you don't need God? Lord, have mercy. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? <laughs> but that wasn't the only altar. Because that altar prepares you to move on. Now, there's some people who camp at that altar by repeating the same lifestyle. They don't go any further with God. The furthest they go is unloading their burdens. So every, every Sunday they come unload their burdens, go back out there and pick them up again. Come back. Come back to the altar of of. Of a burden bear come back, oh, geez, I, after a while, after a while, it becomes religious. Come to the altar, because that's what we do, come to the altar, because that's what we come to the altar. With no intention of change. Look at your neighbor, that when you come to the altar of burden bearing, there God does something. When you come to that altar and you lay those burdens down, God alters you. He changes you. You want change in your life. The place of change, the place of exchange is the altar. But the Bible says he moves on from there. And this is the last one I will share with you this, today. He moves from that place of burden bearing. He moves on. It says in Genesis chapter 
12, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, the Lord appeared to Abraham. Here is God showing up again and said, to your descendants, check out the promise, to your descendants, excuse me, he don't have no descendants. When the Lord gives him this promise, he doesn't have any descendants. He got a nephew, we'll talk about him next week, who's not even supposed to be with him. A lot of folk can't do the will of God because they got the wrong people hanging with them. You can't get the promise because you got a promise killer attached to you. But that's a message of another week. But check it out, saints. This is amazing to me because God is giving him a promise that has not even transpired yet. The Bible says... He appeared to him and he said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Now you got, please, he's never even been in the land before. But he comes in the land, he sees how awesome it is, but he also sees who inhabits the land. He ain't got no babies, he just got a wife. They old. He's 75 years old. He has no children. And he's doing everything he can do to have kids, but it ain't happening. Because it can't happen without God's help. Tap your neighbor, there's some things in your life you need God to help you with. Check it out. It says, it says in the 12th chapter of Genesis 7 and 8, he appeared to him, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. Then the next, the next sentence says, so he, that is Abram, built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the, on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. The second altar you need to reconstruct because Bethel means the house of God. I want to be quick about this because I, I don't want to mince my words about it. And I, I want you to hear it. The, 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 this is one of the most important altars in your life. That the corporate, uh, the corporate altar in the house is non-negotiable. And many people have not been able to realize the dream. I mean, they can unload the burden of sin, but they can't get the dream because they're not connected to the house. Some things God will only release to you when you are rightly connected to the house. The house is a place for repentance and consecration, for blessing and direction. The house of God is a place for repentance and correction. So if you never come to the house, you can never get corrected. I understand why people stay home. They don't want to be corrected. I, 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 after 40 years, I'm celebrating, after 40 years of doing this, I'm about to figure something out. When people get close to, fiddle around with, mess around with, flirt with sin, they don't come to the house. Look at your neighbor and say, he done found you out. He done found you out. When you want to do wrong and you don't want to do right, then you don't want to get around right because right don't make you feel good when you want to do wrong. 
You break relationships. You disconnect yourself when you want to do what you want to do. So I want to say this to you, everybody who have an ear to hear. When you feel like you don't want to be at the house, check out and see what's drawing you away. Because it's possible that the very dream you want is right there, but it ain't there away from, it's there in the midst of the house. When Abraham built this altar, he builds this altar called Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. It's there that you get the promise. I'm going to give you what you never could give yourself. I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm going to bring in your life what's never been in your life. I'm going to change you like you can't change you. And that, that promise comes in, in conjunction with your connection to the house I set you in. And when you're in the house, and you are, and when you're in the house, and when, you, and when you're in the house, you get corrected, you get directed, so that the promise that you got promised about the house can come to you in the house. And not only you get blessed, the whole house gets blessed. You need to re rebuild that altar. Make whatever time the house comes together, make that a sacred time. No, no, no. This ain't the club. And but I don't understand why y'all so fascinated with the club in the first place. First of all, when you go to the club, it's cold. They got the air conditioning on, cold. So you got to wear more clothes. Then when you dance at the house, the more clothes make you sweaty. You got to pull off the clothes. Not only that, when you're in, when you're in, when you're in, when you're in the club, they, they, all, they, always want to, they always want your money, so they want you, they want you to drink something. So you, you got to get yourself out your mind because what you're about to do don't make sense. So, you, the, so uh, am I talking to the right people? So you got to drink. Or you, hello, are you there? You got to drink, snort, whatever you do, so your mind won't be, you know, you won't be in your right mind because if you're in your right mind, you won't be doing right. But if you want to do wrong, you got to get in your wrong mind. How do you get in your wrong mind? Well, you put what's wrong in your body so that your wrong mind can come. And when your wrong mind surfaces, you can do everything wrong you want to do. Yeah, we know, yeah, we parted. Woo, we parted, honey. When you're in your right mind, your dress stays longer. Lord, have mercy. When you're in your right mind, you have two or three coverings up under that dress. When you're in your right mind, you ain't got no condoms in your pocket. When you're in your right mind, you ain't take no pill just in case. When you're in your right mind, you don't need nobody to drive you home because you're already in your right mind. When you're in your right mind, you don't have to ask the people, what did I do last night? When you're in your right mind, when you wake up the next morning and you turn over, ain't nobody ain't supposed to be there in there. When you're in your right mind, you're living like you know you ought to live. And when you're in your right mind, you know the promise that he promised you you're going to get. Brother, brother, sister, stay in your right mind and stay in the house of God. Stay there, man. I would rather be in an overheated house of God than a right temperature place of the enemy. And there's a reason why the, the father said and the scripture said and, and the apostle Paul, there's a reason why he wrote what he wrote when he said, don't you forsake the assembling of yourself for this is right. 
in 2019, I want you to make a recommitment to the house of God. Because that altar, that altar, Lord have mercy. And that, God don't play with that altar. And that altar, when he says so, it shall be so. Because his integrity is on display between a, before a greater number of people. And that's why the corporate altar is, has power and priority over the personal altar. I think that's what I want to say about that. I don't think I have no more to say about that right now. I think what you need to get on your feet and come down to the altar. I think you need to clear your lap. I think you need to say, God, you know what? My life is not my own. My life, my, when I come and gather together with the body of Christ, it is a reflection of what I have done with six other days of my life. It is a place where my personal and private life are on display in the house of God. It is a place where I know I can run when I need help and when I need fortification and when I need direction and when I need correction. The house of the Lord is a beautiful thing. It's not brick and mortar. It's not wood and fabric. It is the people of God. It is a living stones, which you are, which form the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Do not fool yourself and think that anything that you receive from any other group or any other connection or any other type of entertainment can take the place of where God gives you the promise, where God speaks to you. Yeah, it's at Bethel. Because, you know, even the wounds of a friend are faithful. But you have to know what faithful is. And not discount the things that are spoken to you that are right, that may even hurt your feelings. By the way, in the house of God, feelings are second. Word is first. Tell your neighbor what I said. I said feelings are second. His word is first. Hear his word. He'll take care of your feelings. My God, it's because of your feelings you do some crazy. How many of you have done some stupid, crazy stuff because of your feelings? Now, I know you're not stupid, but you know you just acted that way from time to time. The world is building its houses. The world is building its altars. It's the altar of the mall. It's the altar of the movies. It's the altar of professional sports. It's the altar of all types of entertainment for one purpose, to take your time and attention away from the one who can give you everything. 2019, I want you to see that. And while you have the luxury of enjoying many of those things and none of them have the status, the importance, the priority, the sanctity of the house of God. Stop devaluating what God has provided as a means to bless your life, to empower you for great things. 
may open your eyes. You might be able to reevaluate and understand how precious it is to be connected, protected, provided by the house. Abram, and when you follow his life, you'll see that so many things transpired at Bethel. One thing you must ever, never forget, it is a place where you hear the promise. And usually the promise comes, it's so audacious, it's so outlandish, it's so much greater than what presently exists that you, you are tempted to discount it and not believe it. But Abraham didn't disbelieve it. He embraced it even though for 75 years, even though, okay, let's just say for 50 years, he still hadn't been able to make happen what he wants so bad. But God said, I, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. Like you can't have no descendants unless you have some babies. Lift your hands to our God Almighty. Because we're going to rebuild this altar, this Bethel. We're going to build the house of God in this place. So you understand it's not the building that's Bethel, it's you. People stand around you right now, that's Bethel. Not the literal, breathing house of Almighty God. The promise, the sanctity, the sanity, the clarity, the effectiveness of the Word of God. Defining for your life all that he's planned. The good things that heaven has prescribed for you even before you came. Oh, worship him in this place today. Worship him in this place today. Call upon his name. Bible said Abraham when, 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 he, when he got to Bethel he called on the name of the Lord because he believed the promise he believed it no accidents in God he has assembled you from every corner of the city from every corner of the country he's assembled you for a unique expression of what God had in mind to reveal to a world that doesn't know him, we become that expression. Father, in the name of Jesus, open that language that God gives you for prayer. Take solace. Take, I want you to take sanctity. Take peace in the fact that the house of God, I know I can go there. And I know I can get what I need. I know I can get directed. I know I can unload. I know I can be renewed. I know I can, I can be renewed. Even when my life gets out of hand, Lord, will bring your order, bring your rule, bring your command. It's in the house of the Lord. Bless his holy name. A little louder unto the Lord God. Some of you need to unload. You need to make this the place of your show of a shoulder. You need to unload the burdens, but you also need to receive correction, receive direction. 
receive adjustment. Let the vision be clear in your heart that what he promised you, he did not lie and it will not tarry for it surely comes. It comes. Praise his holy name.